I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 15 of The Hilo, with a pop culture and news podcast that brings you a cacophony of commentary and chatter on all stories high and lowbrow, hosted by me, Pandora Sykes. And me, Dolly Alderson. Now, we couldn't start this episode without talking about anything else but the tragedy of the Grenfell fire this week. Um, We're sure that you're more than aware of the story and how it's unravelling, but just a quick recap. The BBC have this very useful page which kind of keeps updating with what's going on, so we thought we'd just give you a quick recap from there. The fire was reported at the 24-storey block built in the 1970s Grenfell Tower in North Kensington last Wednesday. 40 fire engines and more than 200 firefighters went to tackle the blaze. The fire affected all floors of the building from the second floor up. What exactly caused the fire has not yet been confirmed, but it is thought to have been a faulty fridge. What we do know is that the cladding installed on the tower in a recent renovation has come under scrutiny, with experts saying a more fire-resistant type could have been used. The Department for Communities and Local Government said that if the cladding used was a composite aluminium panel with a polythyrene core, it would be non-compliant with current building regulation guidance. The material should not be used as cladding on buildings over 18 metres high, the department said. However, it said it could not comment on what type of cladding had been used. This would be subject to investigations into the fire's cause. Matt Rack of the Fire Brigades Union said something had clearly gone badly wrong with fire prevention procedures in the building. We're recording on Tuesday and at the time of recording there's been a total of 79 people either dead or presumed dead, police have said. Of those who were injured, 18 people remain in hospital with nine in critical care and the names of five victims have been given by police. I live really near Grenfell Tower, um, which is in Latimer Road and I'm Notting Hill and um, I drove past it a few days later actually and it's already taken on that really like spectral quality hasn't it where it just it just looms it's like there's nothing else in the landscape but both you and me went to give donations mm. separately actually and um we were both struck by the overwhelming amount of volunteers both of us offered to volunteer and were kind of told there's like they had all hands yeah, on deck there's yeah. no more space what well, they did need but i understand that this the, the permutations and the nuances are changing so much that to even comment on like what it was at one point seems out of date or not quite correct or miscommunication of which there's been an absolute ton as we know but at the time it did feel like the council weren't necessarily giving a lot of guidance and it was actually just people on the ground who were being phenomenal i found like an emergency donation point and um, just gave my clothes there rather than went to one of the official ones. And I was talking to a taxi driver about it and how it, you know, it has sort of become the most appalling thing in modern times. And Sadiq Khan wrote this amazing piece of The Guardian which just made Dolly and I fall even more in love with him. Sadiq the president. Um, And he said... um, that he believes this is going to be the largest loss of life in a residential fire since the Second World War. And um, when I was talking to a taxi driver this weekend, we were trying to think of anything that had kind of struck um, national outrage and devastation in a similar way and also a similar loss of life, to be honest, on uh, uh, that, that sheer number of people, of victims that have been lost. And we were both saying that the only thing we could think to relate it to was the Hillsborough disaster, mm. which was obviously, it, it was in 1989, I actually read up on it again. Um, it suddenly made me think, I was like, God, you know what, I was only two when that happened. I don't know, I feel like I don't know as much as I should on that. So I went back and I read, on, read up on that and that was in 1989. For anyone who doesn't know, it was a football match where the police essentially... Um, directed people they mixed up the flow of people coming in and out there was sailor there was like 40,000 people in the arena and essentially what happened is people got squashed to death um, and 96 people lost their life at Hillsborough and the only good thing that came out of that was that it changed the way football is 
regulated. Um, organized yeah. and regulated forever. Mm. You know, Ollie, my husband, is a, a football obsessive. He goes to every single match that Spurs play in, and he said he has never felt unsafe there. Mm. So all we can hope from Grenfell is that this will never happen again. Mm. That because this- it is, as you said, Indian. I actually tweeted, and I couldn't agree with her more. She said, when you read about, I'm quite obsessed with the nearby Trellick Tower, you know, which is... Yeah, my friend's, my, uh, my friend's mum lives there, so I've been to Trellick a lot. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's very famous, Trellick. People are obsessed with it. Yeah, there's, I watched this very interesting programme about the history of the Trellick Tower. Yeah. And, you know, Sadiq Khan, again, in his piece, says that it's about, after the war, it was kind of about building villages upwards. Mm. And something that Indian Knight tweeted, which is so true she said this is like a biblical disaster this is like if you had this flat on the land it would be like a village going up in flames yes that's so interesting I mean there's been so many tweets hasn't there and I mean I think we could go on and on about the reactions but we won't because you've probably all seen things that you agreed with seen things you disagree with you know there's there's a lot out there to, to mine but I did read some interesting things that someone said that and I have to say, I agree with this. Maybe this is me being naive. Maybe this is not practical. But um, someone said that there should not be... People shouldn't live higher than the tallest fire engine's ladder at its most extended. If there is no physical way to reach a residential property, there should not be people living in it. And I have to say, that that may, that makes sense to me and obviously I mean there's a million things that we could talk about that went grossly and horribly and unfairly wrong and as Sadiq Khan has said there needs to be a massive inquest Um, I tweeted something which definitely lots of people disagreed with which is you know the mode of Twitter that's fine I'm very much of the opinion that this it's only ever my opinion It's it's never right or wrong unless it's literally factual but Lily Allen was on the news just being very outraged and supported by people being very outraged saying why are we being told that only 17 people have died I've heard from numerous people in this community that it is 150 and I tweeted like finally Lily Allen saying what we're all thinking why you know why we've being told 17 and lots of people tweeted me back being like you know it's irresponsible journalism to confirm the number before they know kind of talking to me like I wasn't a journalist which did annoy me I'm well aware that you can't you know and whilst facts are insubstantiated especially about something so delicate you can't but I did sort of feel like one of the biggest and most devastating national disasters we've ever had I sort of felt like the news journalism should have been quicker Mm. that they should have been giving information more information I personally felt like it was too slow and that the communication in general that's what I think caused the protests that were absolutely tearing through Notting Hill on Friday well that's when I went down to the Westway Sports Centre there that was on the day after it happened and there was a man outside saying people are dead, people are dead, they're lying to us about how many people are dead. And that was the main anger that people had and sent, and and desperation and sadness is that they just felt like no one was communicating to them. It really has been, though, the most... I always veer away from saying stuff like this because I don't want it to sound like sort of we're all victims because I am not a victim of what happened in the Grenfell Tower and I hate that sort of, you know, projection of poor us, but it does feel like the UK has just had the worst month ever like just chronic thing after chronic thing and I really realised it put it into really sharp clarity for me when one of my commissioning editors in the US just emailed being like just to let you know we're all thinking of London like it's all anyone's talking about in the office is that it's just been horrendous atrocity after horrendous atrocity in the last month well that's why touching on that we were going to mention this the Queen in a kind of quite unprecedented act did this unusual, I'm just going to find it now, did this quite unusual statement on what would have been her official birthday. The Queen released this very well-judged statement, I think, which is not just about Grenfell, but about the general mood in the country Mm. um, over the last couple of months. Today is traditionally a day of celebration. This year, however, it is difficult to escape a very sombre national mood. In recent months, the country has witnessed a succession of terrible tragedies, As a nation, we continue to reflect and pray for all those who have been directly affected by these events. During recent visits in Manchester and London, I've been profoundly struck by the immediate inclination of people throughout the country to offer comfort and support to those in desperate need. Put to the test, the United Kingdom has been resolute in the face of adversity. United in our sadness, we are equally determined without fear or favour to support all those rebuilding lives so horribly affected by injury and loss, Elizabeth R. 
I like it when she signs off as Elizabeth R. Humanises her. It also just felt like in a moment where our Prime Minister, her presence was so lacking amongst the families and the victims and the survivors, it just felt even more needed and poignant, I think. I think she should be doing that, though. I'm glad she has. Mm. But I don't think we should see the Queen as this remote sort of benign godlike figure who's who's above anything that would distress us hoi polloi no but someone did mention saying isn't it amazing that the queen who's well into her 90s now was walking amongst the ruin of that building meeting those those families distraught and those residents kind of stricken with with trauma and talking to them and Theresa May just went and spoke to the final but I think it's I think there's an interesting thing to think about kind of roles and and the different roles they have played over their life the queen has been playing that role she's been doing this for 70 years Mm. odd and Theresa may is uh new to the role and clearly um not adept i've had a realization about Theresa may and i had to have it because i can't hate her i have to understand her why she behaves so badly in national crises i think i don't think she's a bad person no no i think that she has chronic fear and stage fright and loses her words and doesn't know what to say it's the only way you can explain it I think that's why she couldn't go meet the families and look in their faces and answer their questions I think it's why she's so bad in interviews and always says the wrong things and I think it's why she didn't do the it's leaders it's a key debate. part of being a well, leader exactly. I mean, I'm the same I would lose my, I would lose my I words in, in, in situations like that but there's a reason why I would never be Prime Minister I learned something really interesting about charisma recently is that it's not just the, like the act of buttering someone up it's not about being charming charisma is the ability to like is is to really kind of meaningfully connect with people empathy is, is to it's it's a really kind of important and actually deep and soulful attribute yeah, to have yeah, I agree. and Obama obviously had it in spades and as, Hillary, as does Jeremy and Corbyn Hillary Clinton did not yeah. and um neither but, yeah I think it's it's just proved, I think it has been the nail in her coffin, how she has... Yeah, I'd be very interested to see what happens. Um, someone emailed us a link, actually, um, to... Um, oh, it's just really devastating. A little girl called Tasnim lost her mum, her dad and her two siblings. And um, obviously there are so many um, brilliant... Any charity to do with Grenfell, any donation, all of it's great. So I, I don't think that I'm saying, oh, you should do this over the other. But there was one that we found particularly poignant because this little girl has lost um, all of her family. And someone has set up a Just Giving page for her. And it is www.justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Tasnim, T-A-S-N-I-M hyphen future. Just to reiterate, anything to do with Grenfell is amazing. We'll put some links up. Yeah. There's there's obviously the official one, but then all sorts of charities from Red Cross to, you know, everything to rehoming charities will be stepping in as well. So anything's yeah. great. Um, we just got tweeted Tasnim's one by um, a friend of the family and we wanted to read that out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you so much for all your tweets and emails in response to our last author special. First week. ever author special. First. Sorry, the it's very unsurprisingly hot in the ACAST studio and the heat's getting to me. Um, thank you so much for your messages. We were so happy to have Rennie Edo Lodge and we got lots of emails from people saying that they've bought the book and are reading it now, which is brilliant news for us and for Rennie. Our next author segment comes out on the 14th of July and it's with the journalist and novelist Elizabeth Day. So we're very excited about that one. Uh, I also plunged into the high-low inbox for the first time ever. Many of you will know that Dolly was manning the decks previously. And so I went in I went in for a sesh and six hours later, having written 160 emails and curated some fairly odd folders, um, I emerged again. Uh, what I was most interested to find, I have to say it was a complete revelation being in there. It was so interesting finding a lot of the same themes coming up, mm. um, reading some frankly hilarious emails some devastating a real medley Uh, but I was really 
interested to find, having almost totally cleared the inbox, that we had so many emails about imposter syndrome, an overwhelming amount. I said um, that to India. I said, doing this podcast, the number one thing that I've taken home from it is I had no idea how many young women have this imposter syndrome. Well, yes, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, it basically means that you don't think you're good enough for your job life relationship relationship. most of them were job orientated but Mm. not all but anyway we're really interested in kind of chatting a bit more about this so dolly and i want to dedicate a special segment to it over the next few weeks um stay tuned we'll let you know when we're going to do that we're going to try and get a psychologist to come on and talk about it and just find out why the fuck this is such an epidemic yeah i mean it's it's interesting see what i mean you and i uh, this is imposter syndrome in action you and i know both suffer from it as well i think i deserve to be on the high low there (laughs) there were also a lot of emails about employment and I'm sorry that we don't read many of these out we're trying to make sure that we don't answer the same questions again and again particularly if they're about journalism just as we don't want to get too UCAS on the high low Um, but I wanted to read out a few emails that I a bit too UCAS Um, I use that phrase a lot I don't know if always um correctly but i want to read out a few emails that i am particularly obsessed with so um this one hi ladies i was listening ladies i was listening to last week's episode and you mentioned you were a tad skeptical about the squaddy party i'm afraid you're wrong they're genius i got my boyfriend one as a joke for christmas and as a result i've ended up using it as well because well it's there i won't go into too much detail but i suggest you watch the unicorn youtube video and let's just say the change of position does indeed make a difference and their no smell sprays have been amazing I opted for the posh wooden variety in a vain attempt to make it blend in more with our style and bathroom. But in all honesty, because we have a toddler, no one bats an eyelid at the fact that we have a step by the toilet. They just assume it's for our three-year-old. And then I love this bit. There's a monkey covering its eyes, your favourite emoji. And on the off chance that you mentioned this on the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you didn't use my actual name. <laughs> Two things. First of all, I despair for the human race that we now don't even know how to take a shit on our own. Shish. It drives me mad. It's like, I knew get, this was going to happen after Siri. I'm going to get you a squatty potty for your 30th. Please do not. And a she-wee for your 40th. She-wees are useful. But squatty potty, it's like, this is one step beyond Siri, I think. We don't need help with everything. We can, like, take a dump on our own. <laughs> and the other thing that I'd say, did you notice on the emails, this is my favourite thing that our listeners do, is they're often, fine, with like sensitive questions, I understand where they're like, can you not mention my name? Or when it's like talking about their squatty posse. But I'm always amazed at how many people will email in being like, hey, I was wondering like, where's a good place to get a dress if you're a guest at a wedding? If you read this out, can you keep me anonymous? <laughs> they probably don't like, want are you to really admit they've had any help. Oh no, it's like, are you ashamed you listen to the podcast? Actually, on that note, really sorry, we don't do any, we're quite adamant about having this being a fashion-free zone. Mm. So we don't answer any fashion questions on this. Also, I spent two and a half years running a column called Wardrobe Mistress. And, and Pandora without, loves it when everyone emails her Without demanding trying to sound clothes. too mean, I'm, I'm slightly enjoying a phase of my life where I don't have to tell people where to buy knee-high boots <laughs> under £3.50. Um, I feel like I use you as my own personal wardrobe mistress. I'm sorry. That's okay. I use you back. There's this silence whilst Dolly and I both try and think like <laughs> We've also had some very touching responses to a reader question in episode 12, which was about heartbreak, which my flatmate India actually as well said really stuck with her afterwards when she heard it. She yeah, said more it than very any, moved that question it. more than anyone we had pictures. Um, pictures. And also just to let you know, whenever this has happened before, when we read out a dilemma from a reader, if any of you send some really helpful advice, we always... And they start chatting sometimes. Really sweet. We'll always forward that advice yeah. on to the initial asker of the question so it like develops a lovely dialogue between everyone um so this was a lovely response just finished listening to ep 12 and felt compelled to respond to your letter about the end of a listener's relationship and how desperate she was to save it it reminded me several years ago while going through a particularly difficult time on the cusp of my divorce i read cheryl strade's is that how i say it stride i think tiny beautiful things and this gave me strength and truth and it's a quote You cannot convince people to love you. This is an absolute rule. No one will ever give you love because you want him or her to give it. Real love moves freely in both directions. Don't waste your time on anything else. That's all really. The rest of Stride's piece is here. It's pretty famous now, at least in the States, and I found it an endless source of comfort. We will link to that on our Twitter. I actually haven't read the piece either. Also quite obsessed with the way that you um, read up uh, abbreviations. 
So like Ep, Ep 12. <laughs> uh, Q7. I'm so bad at reading aloud. You've probably noticed this from the highlight. Pandora's very fluent and good at it. I am so crap. I read it like, you know, like a speech and drama Lambda exam. And then I went into the bathroom, take a breath, and I... <laughs> do you read like cues? Um, another truly lovely one I found is... I feel very strongly about the listener who wrote to you in episode 12 about her lost love. In fact, I cried when I heard you read out her letter because it was literally me five years ago. I fell into an extremely dark hole, was prescribed antidepressants, couldn't work, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. I tried everything for two years. I cried and pleaded to get him back. Unrequited love is quite possibly one of the most painful positions a person can be in. The only solace I found were deep, deep daydreams when I would still imagine we were together. I would wake up in a haze of complete and utter desolation. I spoke to therapists, doctors, the Samaritans. It was the worst period of my life. I have advice I need to pass on because I've learned some harsh but truly important lessons. It is easier said than done, but the only person that can make you happy is you. It may take years to heal, but she must remember to be kind to herself and never self-blame. I believe in actively seeking what you want, but you can never force anyone to love you again. Same as that one you read out. Mm. This is something you cannot chase. I wouldn't say I wasted time coming to realise this, but I don't want anyone else to spend the years that I did seeking the truth. This sounds preachy and wanky, but you have to become whole before you can enter a relationship again. Five years later, I am in love and I love my boyfriend with a tremendous euphoric love I didn't know existed it's the longest bloody journey ever but it's worth every second she is brave she is brilliant I implore her to be gentle with herself happiness and contentment will only come if she allows it it's really lovely we also had a really interesting email following on from our previous discussions about menstrual care and how there are teenagers truanting in North Yorkshire because they can't afford tampons. That was a story, again, that seemed to speak to people, understandably. And one of my most furious discoveries um, is that George Osborne gave a quarter of a million pounds that was meant to go towards tampon tax, or the lack thereof, um, and he gave it to an anti-abortion charity called Life. And I cannot tell you how few no one I have ever discussed this with even really politically engaged friends have heard this story Mm. and everyone consistently just goes fuck Mm. you know no no one has really had even his supporters hope you're having a lovely time at the evening standard George (laughs) we got an email that's sort of about this but actually a girl promoting something that her and her mother have set up that I think the Hilo listeners should be aware of in case they want to engage with or give money to. Dear Dolly and Pandora, in the past year, my mother and I have been working with the concept of Frida, the first organic cotton-based sanitary product that gets delivered straight to your door every month based on your needs and soon synced to your cycle. Frida wants women to speak openly and without shame about their menstrual cycles and their bodies and seek to improve access to female hygiene products around the world. It is for this reason that our company has two projects that address period poverty in Tanzania and at home. As a 20-year-old woman, I cannot imagine anything worse than being stuck on my period without access to any products. Menstruation is already shamed enough as it is in our own country, so I do truly believe Frida hits one bird with two stones when it comes to destigmatization, but also addressing period poverty. As a society, we are so obsessed with what we put in and on our bodies, whether it's a body lotion or a detox juice. So we ask people to question why they're still willing to bypass what they actually put up, put up their own vaginas. People often think it's peculiar that I'm so willing to openly speak about my menstrual cycle at university. I feel no shame in asking a male friend to buy me a box of tampons if they're heading to the supermarket, nor am I ashamed to to admit that my tears over a lost basketball game are due to that time of the month rather than the game. I hate the phrase time of the month, FYI. (laughs) You can check out Frida, myfrida.com. That's F-R-E-D-A. So we'll tweet that from the Hilo's account after the show. Do you know what? I was interested when you were reading that. I did a shoot with a beauty website this morning called Into the Gloss, um, which is a brilliant American website. And um, the photographer was... They have a segment called Top Shelf, which Dolly and I both love because we're hella nosy. It's such a good segment. Anything where people are talking about their daily habits is like my favourite Just inside their cupboards. I just want to see inside their nose if I possibly can. (laughs) Anyway, so he was shooting shooting a picture of on the inside of my bathroom cabinet. And I said, um, oh gosh, sorry, do you want me to move the tampons? And he was like, no, 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 they're fine. And I was like... Oh, that's great. Well, you know, I just thought that was great. Male photographer yeah, that is was great. like, yeah. he was like, you can if you want to. And I was like, no, I mean, I'm not going to. Somehow they're going to have to marry the fact that this gorgeous, chic woman bleeds from her vagina sometimes. And somehow <laughs> they will live. <laughs> you know, on Made in Chelsea, um, how they do a quote as the name of that episode. Oh, yeah. I think the name of this episode, if Dolly was still working on Made in Chelsea, would be somehow they'll have to marry the fact that this gorgeous, <laughs> chic woman bleeds from her vagina. Sorry, mum. <laughs> 
Hilo is lucky enough to call NARS its sponsor. In previous weeks, you will have noticed that we have flagged up our favourite NARS hero products. Mine was the creamy concealer, and Dolly loves the eyeshadow duo, Dolly Parton that she is. And this week, we want to talk about the Velvet Matte Lip Pencils, which I actually refer to, being the accomplished non-beauty journalist that I am, as really delicious lip pencils. Um, they're another classic for NARS, um, and they really are delicious. They're they are delicious. <laughs> the texture of them is gorgeous. Yeah, I've discovered them recently, and I now have a clutch at my disposal. I'm actually going to put one on for you, Dolly. Ooh! If you put it on, you can feel how smooth... <laughs> Look, it looks really smooth, and it glides on. It's called Velvet for a reason. <laughs> so this one's one of my favourites. I'm wearing Bolero, which is a kind of peach, and um, I've actually just scooted intriguing across to you. Side note, do you say Bolero or Bolero? I don't say either because I haven't worn one since the early noughties. In case you're interested, my mum says Bolero, um, <laughs> but then she also calls Focaccia Focaccia, which I again is something I'm absolutely obsessed with. Also, I reckon this colour that I'm wearing matches um, my nipples, just like we've been told to do. Yeah, apparently that's the best shade to wear is the colour of your nipples. Yeah, we talked about it once on the highlight. Anyway, check them out. Also, exciting news, those delicious people at NARS have given you a code whereby you can get a free mini mascara and lip pencil. If you go to narscosmetics.co.uk and enter the offer code HILO, but spelt H-I-L-O-W, all in capitals, you can receive a mini audacious mascara and mini velvet matte lip pencil in Dolce Vita. Both are best sellers for the brand and Dolce Vita is an amazing sort of pinky nude shade that just suits everyone. I've got um, Dolce Vita, I love it. We will tweet the code out. Uh, and if you follow us on at the Hilo Show, you can get that code. And we'll also whack the code in the notes for this week's episode. It's now time for the top line. In case you thought we were going to talk about the heat wave, which sees Dolly and I, I wish you could see us. We are literally... It's like we're breastfeeding sweat, but there's I, no baby it's actually there. It's itching my skin because it, it's running down like rain. It's unreal. And also the thing is, is we can't start talking about weather because A, we're British, which means we'll talk about it for four hours. And yeah. B, Dolly loves talking about the weather like she loves loves talking about pret sandwiches. And it's interesting. I can't be here till I'm 50 years old. It's too <laughs> hot in this studio. So instead, it's time for the top line. Dolly is on the podium this week. Should we do it without the 90 second countdown thing? Okay, let's do it without the 90 second countdown, but I will miss the countdown music so I propose Charlie that he just does it at the end but you're not rushed no I propose that we give Charlie a bit of creative output here and you can choose any song that you want to be the background but every week we, Charlie can just choose whatever song he wants in my head it's how deep is your love well how that's that's up to Charlie to decide Pandora is. okay alright I don't know why on earth I think that's an appropriate match for the top line take it away Dolly the top line Student debt in the UK has soared to more than 100 billion for the first time ever. National student loan debts have increased by 16.6% since last year, from 89.3 billion to 100.5 billion, according to the student loans company. There's bad news for the Clean Eating Brigade this week, as a study published by the American Heart Association has declared that their beloved coconut oil is packed with saturated fat, go figure, which can raise cholesterol. A thousand avocado cheesecakes with coconut bases weep. But there's some good news in the world of women in sport. According to a global study by BBC Sport, commissioned for Women's Sport Week, 83% of sports now reward men and women an equal amount of prize money. Mm. Rumours are circulating that Beyonce has given birth to twins, although the only person within Camp Knowles to have confirmed it as a fact is her father Matthew he shared a celebratory social media post with an image of a happy birthday note addressed to the twins with the caption they're here followed by the hashtags hashtag Beyonce hashtag twins hashtag Jay-Z and hashtag happy birthday a new study has found that a condition known as broken heart syndrome may cause longer lasting damage than previously thought Takotsobu syndrome can be triggered by severe emotional distress and can cause temporary heart failure which can permanently affect the heart's pumping motion. ASOS is the most visited online high street shop beating Topshop, H&M and all its other counterparts. If you're listening to this episode on the day of its release, summer solstice, the longest day of the year, is here. The sun will be shining for 16 hours, 38 minutes and 18 seconds before setting at 21 minutes past nine. 
A Shia Muslim in Pakistan is the first person to be sentenced to death for blasphemy on social media. The 30-year-old posted offensive content about Sunni leaders and the wives of Prophet Muhammad on Facebook. Pakistan has strict anti-blasphemy laws and anyone accused of insulting God, Islam or religious leader can be sentenced to death. Ariana Grande will be the first person to be named as an honorary citizen of Manchester following her One Love fundraiser concert and her continued efforts to support the victims of the Manchester terror attack. So many annotations on this. This was so interesting because I deliberately didn't read them before you. Um, oh, it's nice to have wrote your notes, treat, isn't it? Yes, um, I'm obsessed with how high student loan is. I frequently mm. meet um, girls in their early twenties who are fifty grand in debt, and that is true. That a massive part of I think Corbyn's success was the you know lowering student loans yeah. and people have said well we know how he did it he said he's going to lower student loans and I'm like yeah about fucking time yeah, no one yeah. can afford to go to university um, obsessed with avocados and coconut bases as well because clean eating has so many calories in it it's got more calories than bloody dominoes that's what I find so I'm so obsessed with um, but I think my favourite has to be um, Beyonce's dad doing like the least but I the hashtags angry it's like him. it's also like it's almost like a, a joke they're like Hashtag Beyonce, hashtag twins, hashtag Jay-Z, hashtag happy birthday. Like, absolutely giving it away. I know, can you imagine if your dad broke the news on social media? You don't think it's like a ruse? Because there's some really weird stories going around. I read in the week that they built a £1 million maternity ward in their house and that Blue Ivy, their five-year-old, is going to be wearing a little nurse's uniform specially made for her by Mew Mew. (laughs) That is ridiculous. So, I don't know that. Um, Can I add some more exciting baby news? Yes. My darling friends, Sarah and Jack, have just had a baby. Oh, they had their baby. Congratulations, Sarah. A little girl called Sienna Spencer Ashworth. And I already am completely in love with her and I haven't even met her. So, yeah, that. But weirdly, (laughs) speaking of Matthew Knowles and his weird hashtags, Sarah got to a point when she was approaching the due date where she was like, I cannot deal with how many messages and calls per day I'm getting from people asking me if I've had the baby yet. But also, if she's had it and she hasn't told you, she's either without phone recovering... Or she hasn't had it. There's, there's no, there's, there's no circumstance where she's going to go. God, shit! You know, it's a really good point. I had her three weeks ago. I completely forgot to tell you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I it's you're just going to. She literally like had to turn her phone off. <laughs> it was so bad. A, a, a woman waiting to give birth there is in hot demand. Nothing I know. like new life. Anyway, I'm very, very happy and excited. Congratulations, for both of them. Sarah. A growing number of silver splitters means that it isn't just Dolly struggling with solo renting. Over 60s now account for 8% of solo tenants, up 5% from a decade ago. So, um, denotes a real rise in older divorcees. I feel strangely cheered by this statistic. You're not going to like this. I'm not, I've, I expected you to be strangely cheered by it, though. Only because I think that when you want no one to be happy I get it (laughs) because if I'm not married no one else can be married Um, because because when you look back on the Institute of Marriage and what it was when those people got married when they were very very young I think that there were probably people who got married for the wrong reasons or for the sake of being married and I think it's wonderful that we're now in a time obviously I don't want them to needlessly divorce but if we're in a time now where they feel free of judgement or of you know contractual obligation to be in an unhappy relationship I think it's wonderful that they can have you know people live for a really long time nowadays and I think it's great if you can have another shot at love that you know later on in life you put a sweet picture up of um old tone Mm. on sorry young tone (laughs) silver fox tone on father's day where you said that he was i i love the way you put it actually you said he built you into the feminist that you are as much as your Mm. mum did like it's not just a woman's work but you wrote something interesting which i saw a few people said loved everything but that bit um (laughs) where you said he encouraged me not to get married did he actively encourage you not to get married yeah he does it really upsets my mum actually because my mum's desperate for me to get married and and also your mum must be like you're not feeling this well what's so funny is I do say dad you are in the most successful marriage of any couple I've ever met so it's bizarre that you're going around telling everyone not to do it I think it's because my dad's a bit older he's in his early 70s he was one of those people who 
married for the wrong reasons when he was very young and he was divorced before the before the age I am now and I think I think he just feels how I feel which is it's not demanded of you anymore so unless you really fall head over heels madly in love with someone who you think is going to be a great partner for you in life you don't need to in fact he sometimes says which really upsets my mum he's like I don't think you need to get married he's like try not to get married if you if you can and then he says and when it comes to kids you know maybe you'll be lovely auntie dolly and you know you'll throw great lunch parties for all your friends kids and i'm like well i don't know about that (laughs) he's like they'll all love you and you'll wear some natty earrings (laughs) um but i think that he's very much of that generation that perhaps was burnt by that pressure and feels slightly more cynical about it. I think that's interesting that he's that way around. My parents are definitely of that generation and as a result, absolutely cannot understand why you wouldn't get married. Oh, really? You, oh, my God, yeah. Don't understand it at all. How would Especially have, if you have children. Can't how would understand they have it. felt if you had lived with Ollie and had children with him but didn't get married? I don't, they wouldn't have been happy. They wouldn't have understood it. Would they thought you were living in sin? No, not living in sin, but they're very... Um, respectful of and comforted by traditional institutions mm-hmm. and the legality, the yes. legal rulings that uphold them. So I think actually the main thing for like my mum, for example, is that if you're married and you have children, um, you kind of the legality over that when you split up is much more cut and dried. Mm. Whereas when you are not married, whether it's like having a difference, because I haven't changed, do you remember we talked about how I haven't changed my name? Mm. And that for her as well was something a bit problematic. And she tried to tell me it was illegal and I was like, it's not legal. It's, it's not legal. legal. It's not legal. It take you off in cuffs. It's not illegal. But back to our, back to our silver splitters. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm sad and happy about this. I'm sad because it does feel like till death do us part is a really fractured and completely impossible ideology. And I'm not just saying that as someone who's married herself you know I hope to give it the best shot I possibly can but also just because I'm a romantic but then I'm happy because in western culture I don't think we revere and respect our elders like in eastern culture you know whether it's China Japan um, South America India or respecting your elders is this massive thing Mm. whereas we write off older people as like you know pointless and boring and not not worth it you know let's just let's just ship them off to a sort of home and never never Completely. ask them what they want ever again and you don't see that as well particularly when I'm in Paris we've talked about this before but when you're in European cities you know they're really in the centre or Greece indeed they're really in the centre of these communities maybe it's just Britain then I really think it's Britain America as well we're very Americanized out of the whole of the rest of Europe we are very Americanized with their social mores mm. um, it's probably that but age is bloody as well, Zuckerberg particularly in in Greece, there was, I can't remember the name of the island or the community. Please do tweet me if you if you are aware of, the, of this piece that I read. One of the places in Europe where people live the longest is a community in Greece where the elder family members move into the younger family homes. And they think that's one of the reasons that their lifespan is so long, because intergenerational living is so healthy. Oh, that's really lovely. Um, you told me, while we were discussing about this earlier, you told me some hilarious... What was your STI fact? Yeah, so when I, I, as you can probably tell, I think Pandora and I are united on this, I'm quite obsessed with old people and the problem of ageism in this country. When I worked at a production company kind of developing reality TV formats, it was like this ongoing joke in the company that every time we had a brainstorm, it's like, oh, Dolly's going to pitch another idea for a show about the over-70s. And I read this stat, which I then hooked every single idea onto, which is in 2016, they re- there was a report in an increase of number of old people contracting sexually transmitted infections such as chlamydia and genital <laughs> warts. And STI diagnosis in people between the age of 50 and 70 rose more than a third over a decade. I also have to point out at this juncture that you are, to use your favourite word, obsessed with old people. I think you mm. fancy more 50-year-olds than you do 20-year-olds. Who is your crush that literally left me speech- speechless? Was Rod it Ro- Stewart. Oh my God, I thought it was Ross Kemp. No, it wasn't Ross Kemp. <laughs> <laughs> I have this quite pay- pain- painfully touching idea of a 65-year-old man trying to cook a stir-fry for Dolly, his flatmate. 
<laughs> shuffling around in his blue harbour chinos. I'd love that. That his now loathed ex-wife bought him. I think someone asked me this in, in an interview actually the other day. I think that most people are born with an age they're meant to be. So like Sarah, my friend, we always say was born 40. That was like when she's 40, that's the age How that old she are you? was meant to be. I think I am meant to be a 55-year-old man in a Camden pub. How old am I? Um, I would say, I would say early 40s. Okay. So early mid 40s, I would say. <laughs> just a bit older than that. That will be, no, no, because that will be when you're in your peak, I think. That's Dolly telling everyone, by the way, that I haven't yet reached my peak. Who wants to reach their peak at 30? Yeah, all right, okay. So fundamentally, you don't think it's a bad thing that people in their 60s are breaking up? No. As long as they wear a condom. <laughs> There is a new cream for your bottom called Bum Bum Cream. <laughs> it contains caffeine and it claims to... T- <laughs> Come on, Dolly. It claims to tighten your ass. <laughs> Not whole. <laughs> for £44 from Selfridges. I mean, anyone would think that you'd chosen this story to talk about, not not me. Um, it doesn't surprise me that this cream is £44. I got given some sun cream, albeit lovely sun cream, last week from a brand. And I looked at the website last night and it cost £139. I know exactly which sun cream it is because they gave me some and it is very good, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> the, the beauty world is nuts for luxury po- um, products, particularly pointless ones. Speaking of pointless products, how the old be or strips going they are not um pointless <laughs> i cannot tell you how amazingly productive they've been ollie's absolutely obsessed and we got sent um some animal print ones today dolly oh amazing animal print is he <laughs> over the moon about that yeah we're so excited i'll send you a pic anyway back to botties bot bots junk in the trunk as <laughs> as bill Nye once said my favorite ever quote Oh, head and hole very good bill Nye. you on bums is like me on Rod Stewart or the ancient fruit quince. Oh my God, again, like who says stuff like that? I love talking about bums. You know in Brazil that they are so obsessed with bums that they have two annual bum pageants called Miss Bum Bum and Miss Butt. Would you enter it? Well, um, I think you'd do rather well. No, because Brazilian bottoms are very high. Mine would be too low. It would be like if we did the limbo, it would be like... (laughs) I interviewed a historian called Sean Evans last year for a piece I was writing. She's a yeah a cultural historian who used to work at the V&A. And she told me that we've been culturally obsessed with bums since Shakespeare's day and that the bottom has long been a source of humour. Um, but of course, it's now a source of bloody architecture. Look at Kim Kardashian's ass. I'm actually <laughs> fascinated with this stat. I read in the Sunday Times magazine last year that bottom surgery is the fastest growing surgery in the US with the procedure taking place every 30 minutes. I mean, I do see the appeal of it as someone who's, who's, I'm not encouraging plastic surgery, but someone who's never been quite comfortable with their bum. So forget build a bear, you could build a bottom. You could literally <laughs> create a bespoke fantasy bottom. I'd be just terrified by the horror stories about uneven buttocks and shifting body implants, you know, like a sort of hamster caught under the skin. It's horrible, I've seen Sliding those. to the left and the right like a drunk man on a bus. Or- <laughs> God, you really are at your best when you're talking about bums. <laughs> anyway, talk to me about rear of the year. You love that. Obsessed with your rear of the year. How many obsessed do you think we've had in this podcast? You're so mainly far? obsessed. You know, I pitched a story about our use of the word obsessed in modern lexicon. Were they obsessed with it? And I used you as my case study. <laughs> I once went on Twitter to see how many things I was obsessed with, and it was like 300 things I'd claimed to be obsessed with. God, you waste your time. I know. Talk to me about no, rear of the year. So, rear of the year, which I, I would say authentically I am obsessed with, um, I love mainly because of the press shots. And also because of the random people. Also, I just like the name, Rear of the Year. But also because of the people who win it. Who do win it? Carol Waterman, John Barrowman. She's got a great arse, John Barrowman. Her arse is very good. Charlotte Church. Also quite good arse. Anita Dobson. Don't know who she is. She was the first winner, I think. (laughs) What? She was of dirty, you know... um, What's that EastEnders story? Dirty Den and Ange. Dirty Den and Ange. Thanks, Did you watch EastEnders? No, but they were like the most famous. God, couple. I watched it and I don't remember that. No, no, they were in the eighties. Oh right, yeah, no, I definitely don't. Anyway, that. yeah, it's the. It was sponsored by Wizard Jeans. That was the glory. Never years heard of Wizard of Jeans. Of the year. Um, and it's. Do just, you have a pair? Wizard Jeans. No. Do they make your rear look good? But no, I tell you what, do make my rear look good though, and that is quite. That's no lie. 
No, oh God, I can't speak. Your bum so doesn't hot. lie. What's that called? That Shakira song? No, my bum, my bum does lie. No, okay, my bum don't lie. What's the Shakira song? Her hips don't lie. Oh, her bum, her bum is very truthful. <laughs> no, what I was saying is, it is now so hot. I feel like I just don't have any words. But I loved, them, I loved how kind of how how pragmatically you just you said no, her hips don't lie. It's not her bum, it's her hips. Anyway, no, I've got some. The jeans that look that did something for my bum were the ones that you recommended. Oh, the wedgie jean. The wedgie jeans. They're the only jeans that have ever given me a proper bum. Good for you, doll. I've got some fun buns. Bum. Fun bums. I've got some fun bum stats for you. I actually can't say that. So, a study done in 2008 by the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California concluded that women with big bodies are smarter compared to those with smaller ones. So, 16,000 women, that's a lot, were studied at Santa Barbara and they included women with distinct butt sizes. They were given cognitive tests and it consistently um, revealed that women with big bums were. Um, smarter than women with small behinds and researchers believe it's because the women um carry essential omega-3 fatty acids in their hips and bums and um they're responsible for promoting brain growth therefore the bigger the bum the smarter the woman i would say you are smarter than i am and you have a a bigger bum than me (laughs) so that's our study here in this studio which we will publish tomorrow apparently people with bigger bums also live longer Oh, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> anyway, here's another one. There's a really great Greek word, ancient Greek word for having an awesome ass. It's calipigian. No, name of your first child, <laughs> One last thing about bums. Up until a year ago, I thought that my ass moved independently from the rest of my body because it was big. It always hurt when I ran. It literally felt like an additional small human had been reluctantly and mutinously tacked onto me. And then I found out that I had trapped nerves in my bum. Really? Agony, but it shows why my bum bum was so cross-cross. How did you massage them out? <laughs> well, when I have a massage, it is very painful. On the bum? Yes, I just don't run. Tell me a fun fact about your bum to end this jolly old topic. My bum is so bad and so English and flat and disappointing that my friends call me no bum. That's a really creative name. I found this segment quite depressing, I'll be honest. (laughs) I need to go lock myself in a freezer. You need to go pump your bum. It's time for Ask the Hilo. We're just going to do one email today um, before we melt into puddles, uh, but it is a meaty one. Yeah, it's a real conundrum this week. Hi, I'm emailing to ask your advice about something. Yesterday was our client's summer drinks. We have two of these a year where we invite 150 of our top clients. I work in the financial services industry, so the crowd is mainly men in their 40s and 50s. I am in my mid-twenties. Yesterday, myself and all my female colleagues who attended all experienced some form of sexism, inappropriate behaviour. I will give you some examples. I was repeatedly cornered by one man who kept buying me shots when I told him clearly I didn't want any. I was wearing a button-down shirt which was buttoned up to a work-appropriate level with no cleavage on show, yet he announced loudly that he could see everything, getting an eyeful, I was popping out, etc, etc. I later found out that when I left the group, he was making comments about how pert I was. Another man at the drinks went around touching women's bums and even grabbed my colleague's head and licked her face. I was asked to sit on men's lap, men who are old enough to be my father, men who have daughters my age, men who should know better. There was a constant stream of sexist commentary throughout the afternoon. I've never felt so objectified in my life. I went home feeling dirty. I do not think this behaviour is okay and it makes me sick to think men can treat young women like that. My female colleagues are also upset and angry. But my dilemma is whilst I'm not sure I want to attend this event ever again... It is a requirement of my job. I'm also not sure what to tell my boss. She was there all night and she did see some of these behaviours. However, these are people she works closely with and will not want to offend them either. I'm really unsure how far to push this with my boss. I've only been at my job for six months. I do not want to jeopardise my career. What do I do? The more I think about it, the more upset I get. I think there's no question. Christ alive. I think there's no question. What would you do? I think this is a case of abuse and I think that she has to be entirely unemotional about it and I think she has to write a document in which, just like that, she very succinctly lists the incidents that happened that day and then you take it about you take it to human resources I was going to say you don't need to take it to your boss you work obviously in a in a in a big corporation that's what human resources you you have to say something the thing is that I I agree with you and actually if you have HR that makes it a lot easier than going to your boss who was there I think sometimes it can be very easy especially for us working in the media where um 
people are just so much more aware of kind mm. of the shifting cultural scape. Mm. It's easy to be very simplistic and sort of do a, well, if they don't respect women at work, then as a woman, you shouldn't work there. Because, you know, we have to remember that a lot of people don't have these kinds of choices. You can't just walk out of your workplace because your boss is sexist. Sometimes it's just not that straightforward. And uh, sadly, standing up for your morals and your beliefs can be on occasions a luxury. You know, whistleblowers don't always keep their job. But I am hoping that because you say, A, because all of those women can vouch for you, or, you know, anyone else, I would actually talk to the women you work with and say, you know... Exactly, that's a very good I, idea. I'm happy to go to HR, but they will call meetings with you all. And, um, you know, I think it's important that we come together on this mm. rather than... Um, being scared and not and not kind of being truthful and and it's really important to be very professional about it so don't all go kind of don't go into the office kitchen and gossip and like sort of um you know act very affronted absolutely try and hold your head high as you say in your in your email you did nothing wrong mm-hmm. walk into work like nothing happened don't be cold don't be off don't be remotely sort of childish with your emotional responses which i understand is very tempting act completely normal because you're at work you do your job you just and then what happened and then you go to hr yeah what and I think I, what is I really want to know what happens with this with but you, also if this is when know. this is when it's really helpful with all our people that listen to us if anyone has any professional advice or has experienced this before do yes, let us know and email if, us and you, we can pass it on if you work in HR for a big corporation or if you have because you know companies work very differently um, it would be really interesting to hear from anyone that works in that kind of environment Dolly and I have never worked in that No, we never have. So it's easy for us, as you said, to say that. But all I do want to say to this woman is thank you for emailing us and thank you for speaking the truth. And also, you're you're not a whistleblower. You're not uncovering anything here. All you're doing is telling the truth and don't feel disempowered. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not being disruptive. Um, You're being useful. Good luck. Good luck. Let's know how it goes. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to episode 15 of the Hilo. Thank you to Acast for your very warm studio today. You can tweet us at the Hilo Show on Twitter. You can follow us on Goodreads. People still seem to be having one hell of an awful time. It's put me off even trying to find our Goodreads page to update my shelf. But um, join Goodreads and we're meant to be the Hilo. Maybe I accidentally registered us as Bums and Willies. I don't know, but we should be there. Um, you can also email us, show at gmail.com. Please do email us with all your dilemmas questions feedback thoughts I just want you to know though I will not be replying to emails for six hours every week because I <laughs> almost lobotomise myself we read myself. everything and we love oh them. my god yes we absolutely yeah. do and we pass them on to relevant parties and things like that thank you very much bye 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 bye